Blog Talk Radio. Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. I'm your host, Pop Art Painter Jamie Rocks, and this is the big show. You found it. I sure I'm glad you did. Hey, I want to thank everybody uh, for all the um, I mentioned briefly on the uh, on the uh, last show that we did. Uh, we had a death in the family. Um, my uh, father-in-law's brother uh, walked on, and um, so yeah, that's why one of the reasons we were switching dates of shows last week. There was. Lots going on behind the scenes. Um, I don't post a lot about that stuff online, you know. But um, no, it was uh, he, he he passed along quickly and 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 is no longer in pain, and uh, we're all at a, a, a loss. I will tell you, my wife Danny was just reading me. They just posted his obituary today. I don't know. I might post a link to it or something. But it was the most most hilarious obituary I've ever heard. She was reading it to me and. Um, in between the tears, lots of laughter, and I I think that's a good obituary, you know. Uh, when it's finally my time, um, I hope I have one just as amusing. <laughs> so, it's what he would have liked. It's what he would have liked. Um, so yeah, so they, a lot of you guys reached out in email or what do they call it? My wife's always correcting me. Um, direct messaged me. You DM. You slid into my DMs, folks, and. Um, you know, number one, it's cool that you caught that on the uh, the episode, and number two, it's just nice to do. Uh, I really appreciate that. Um, but uh, yeah, he was a cool guy. He was a cool guy. Uh, but yeah, speaking of cool guys, speaking of cool, you like that little transition there, folks? That wasn't, wasn't too smooth, but um, but it happened nonetheless. Uh, we've got a cool guy on the show tonight. A fantastic guest. He is um, very cool. Cool turned up to ten. And talent turned up to 11. He is a filmmaker, which in civilian terms is a writer, director, editor, producer, all of the, probably wears a million hats. Hell, he was probably, uh, you know, doing makeup on this as well. You know, that's, if you've ever known independent filmmakers, they tend to, um, they'll have a title for their business card because, you know, they want to, people want them to feel important and everything, um, but they wind up doing everything. And so without further ado, let's talk to uh, Mr. Koi Choi uh, about that. And uh, here he is. The button will work here. Yeah, it did. Koi, how are you, man? Hey, um, thanks for having me. Sorry for your loss. It's hard to no, follow no. a funny obituary, but uh, it's kind of it's kind of a it's kind of a good place actually. So <laughs> um, yeah, I'm glad that there was yeah, some, exactly. some laughter in there. Oh, and it's nice. You know, I'll tell you, my wife was reading this and I was thinking that because we were both just kind of cracking up. And I, I was I didn't find it disrespectful or anything like that. I found it a nice break from uh, the sadness, you know, uh, it, it was a, yeah. a nice little thing. I, I don't know. We were trying to figure out who wrote it. I'm pretty sure it was his wife. <laughs> um, but, uh, <laughs> you know, I don't know. Somebody was doing their job, uh, 
it really broke a lot of the tension with us. Um, hey, now, Corey, you've got a brand new movie that's dropping. Um, when does this drop? June 2nd. So it's getting ready to drop. Terror Films is throwing this out uh, nationally and then internationally. Um, th- is it still going to be Terror Films or is it going to be somebody else? Glass House weird no. Internationally. So, nice. Um, but, yeah, Terror nice. Films nationally. Very cool. Very cool. Well, they know their stuff, man, both. Um, this is a very, very cool movie. I don't I, – I hate to use, especially with uh, our listeners, I love you guys, um, but I don't want to use the term art house, but this is definitely an intellectual uh, film, and I don't want to scare people off. You don't have to take notes on this, but you got to be aware, and I would suggest you, you watch it, and then you watch it again. You, know, you let it sit on the stove for a little bit, and then you watch it again like the next day, uh, because there's definitely be stuff you missed, and... Um, Man, this infected my brain for like days after Corey. I loved it. I loved it. That that makes me so happy to hear. Uh, uh, yeah, because it, you know it's it's based on some things that really have haunted me for for years and years. And so, uh, yeah, I think some of these these things in these films, I want them to stay with you. I want you to be able to want to watch it again. So that, that that's very exciting. Now you and I had we were talking before the uh, the show here, and I mentioned I listened to an, an, another interview you had done um, today when I was working, and um, I I remember seeing this somewhere, but then it's not in my notes here. Uh, but you had mentioned it. This was kind of loosely based on some family lore. Was this your family that this happened to, or was it somebody you knew? So, so there's two real seeds for this film. Um, two okay. real strong kernels. There's, there's a whole lot of things from many different places, but the, the two places that we draw from, that I drew from the most was a story that a woman, I can't tell you exactly who she is for privacy reasons, um, mm-hmm. who told me this story of when she ha- first had a, a child. Um, she saw uh, you know, little little baby toddler walking through the halls. One night she saw somebody following her mm. in the house in, in the middle of the night and uh, turns to her and smiles. And to me, this Whoa. just sounds terri- terrifying, absolutely terrifying. Absolutely. What she told me, though, was, no, this wasn't terrifying at all. This was actually one of the most amazing experiences in my life because I knew that this person was an angel and this was a sign mm. that everything was, a, was going to be a good thing. Okay. She was like, this was, yeah, she was like, this is the most, one of the most amazing and pivotal experiences in my life. And the way she describes it, if somebody was following, I have a young kid right now, somebody I did not know was following my kid in the hall. The first thing I would do would probably start shouting and maybe, you know, <laughs> it wouldn't would be this, this very calm thing. It, it just sounded absolutely, so that, that's one kernel. Um, the second strong thing uh, is we were up in a town called Hague, New York, shooting a music okay. video. And we were on a uh, an old abandoned farm property um, of – of the Del- it was the old Delarm 
family farm. There's three DeLarm sisters, uh, Sherry, Susan, and Sally. And uh, Sally, uh, the mother of the drummer, also happened to be the town historian. And she starts telling me about her family. This is the most beautiful property. We, we're, we're filming this music video. I'm in love with it. And I just start talking with Sally, who's the town historian. And she just starts telling us these stories about her family and the farm and the farmhouse. She was telling me about her family. And one person she mentioned was a great-great-grandmother named Hannah, actually. And the story with Hannah goes that um, Hannah, as a young child, was almost stolen away by people visiting the town, by people visiting the town. And uh, someone noticed her red hair as, as the wagon was pulling away and they rounded up the horses and they saved her. But what they noticed when wow. they got her back is she had a St. Christopher's medal medallion in her hand. And St. Christopher is the patron saint of travelers, wanderers, and children. And that actual St. Christopher's medal had been passed down from generation to generation in the family and made its way into my film, along with okay. many of their their stories, uh, the name Hannah, for instance, um, right. and also um, the farmhouse that we filmed on was the actual farmhouse of their family farm. Their the the woods were filmed on their on, on their family you know grounds. So a lot of the story, the family history in the movie, is borrowed from the Delarm family. Himself. Oh, amazing. Amazing. I'll tell you, now you had mentioned uh, you're a father yourself, right? Well, the, the interview I heard, you, you had a new uh, youngster, young boy, I believe, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And yep. um, Fox. He's I, almost two now. Wow. I have, me and my wife have no children, but we, uh, we do have a year and a half old niece, meaning uh, the entire family has a new child, pretty much. And, uh, Congratulations. You know, yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're very, you know, we're the cool uncle and aunt, um, but um, you know, everybody's very enamored. It, whenever there's a family get together, you know, they're Italian Sunday dinner and stuff. Um, she's invariably the star of the show. Um, it's just how that is. <laughs> but um, you know, she goes to bed. It's weird. She goes to bed at like seven o'clock, seven thirty, something like that. You know, she's a kid, and um, she has a bedroom at, at. We're always meeting at my wife's. Uh, parents house they live a few blocks away and um she has a bedroom upstairs their guest room is now her bedroom over there and they all have um monitors on their cell phones and i gotta tell you Corey, i've seen way too many great and they're probably fake i'm not saying they're real at all but these supernatural my wife is addicted to on these, these youtube videos you know where oh look at this there's something in the monitor they hear something in the mo- i've seen too many movies because whenever they put her to bed and whip out their phones, oh, she's standing up. She knows she's laying back down. You know that type of deal. My mind oh, always the, goes like the, to the paranormal activity. The paranormal yeah. activity. Like, what am I going to see happen on here? What's going to go on? Yeah, you know, it's funny. I also had that, and we we did we couldn't do the visual baby monitors. And actually, we even we didn't even do the audit. We we tried the audio one for a while, and then we're like, you know, we're just going to stand by because last thing I needed some demonic voice coming through this monitor. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> Whispering in some weird Latin language, and you're like, "What the hell? Yeah. Have to move. We can't no, afford to move. I just made a movie. <laughs> um, yeah. I'm still waiting to get paid on this. Oh man, 
that's a little peek into our life, uh, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> Every, you know, Corey is so true. Everybody wants to be in entertainment. Everybody wants to be in entertainment. Um, they never know about the fun of getting paid quarterly. That's a fun trip. Um, <laughs> yeah. Better plan accordingly. <laughs> well, we thought we had a good Christmas. Uh, no, I'm I'm kidding there. Uh, kind of. Anyhow. Esme, my love. This is a fantastic film. Now, this is a good example of, um, before I start doing the podcast, Corey, I had no idea. I viewed time as a linear thing. You know, I roughly knew what a day was and what a week was and even a year, you know. And then I started hanging out and talking to filmmakers, and all of that went out the window. Because I would watch a show or a movie, and I'm like, eh, they made this, like, I don't know, three or four months ago, maybe six months ago. They all got together one weekend and knocked it out. <laughs> no, that's not how it goes. Um, this took you a while, Brian. Yeah. I mean, from start to finish, for sure. I mean, they're, you know, from inception till actual completion to release was in over six years. So it, um, the actual shooting itself, the filming itself, was relatively fast for a feature film, actually for an indie feature film. We only had 13 days of principal photography. Um, wow. And I know really? that, that could sound, yeah, I know that could sound like, you know, a lot if you, if you don't know about filming. But, like, in, in the feature film world, only having 13 days of principal photography, you've really, you've really got to move quickly. Um so, yeah, yeah, we only had a little under two weeks of, of main filming, and then we had two pickup days uh, scheduled, one final pickup day that wasn't scheduled but was very necessary. So, all told, we had 15 and a half days of filming, and uh, we're very proud that we were able to get as much as we did uh, in, in that time. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, and, Corey, you, you had, you know, one of those Cecil B. DeMille extra casts, uh, no, I'm kidding, folks. It, it, no, there was two people in this film. And, and fun fact, fun fact about this. I don't want to give anything away, of course, because I want people to see this. But because you mentioned this in the other uh, thing, too, I, I don't think this is giving thing, anything away. Um, this wasn't a Lord of the Rings. There wasn't multiple chapters. This was like two acts, like a play, right? So, yeah, you know, a, a lot of people um, – they say, oh, film needs to be three acts. Um, and, and I guess you could maybe tease out three acts. In this, but I really see this as a two-act. It's a two-hander. There's only two actresses in it. Um, there is really two acts. And I think it, it was something that we always wanted to do. We wanted to be very, very – we wanted to explore just in depth the mother-daughter relationship and family and what does it mean to be – a mother, what does it mean to be a daughter? Um, you know, what happens when you're a child who first realizes that their parent may not be completely reliable? You know, right? Um, not Superman. What, what happens? Yeah, exactly. What happens when you realize that your parents may not be completely on the level with you, and and may mm. not everything they're telling you is the truth? Um, right. There, there's a there's a phase that everybody goes through. There's a point in everybody's life where they where they realize, hey, my parents are fallible, or even more so, like That's you know, my parents don't have either. the answers to all. 
You know? Right. <laughs> Takes them the best they can. Yeah. Oh man. And, I'm telling you, Corey, the first, and, and the first a, time I ever saw my father cry. Oh my god. I was like, that's impossible. What that you know, that can't happen. Yeah. What uh what what's going on? And so this film we were really excited to explore the the mother daughter relationship uh in particular. Um and um and yeah, it, it, it was uh, it was really lucky to be able to work with actors such as uh, Audrey Grace Marshall and Stacey Weckstein, uh, who really, really, really immersed themselves um, deeply. It was it was incredibly rewarding to work with them, and you know it's it's a testament to the whole team, um, but them especially that I think at least um, you know I, I can't. Just uh, I, when they first walked in, uh, you know, when, when they when they when they walked into the um, auditions, I was like, "Wow, I just can't stop looking at you two, which was really helpful. I, that was one of the reasons why I knew I was going to cast them. It was a pretty uh, intense casting process. Actually, we had mm-hmm. uh, people send in stuff, and we had in-person callbacks, and we did callbacks in the park where we rotated possible Esmes with possible Hannahs and it was a pretty intense process, but at the end of it, it was just, it was absolutely clear. It had to be those two. Um, and um, I was very fortunate to be able to work with them. Joy, it's amazing. It's amazing. And man, some of the shots in this, this was just so well done. I, and again, I don't want to give anything away, but I, there, there was an underwater scream sh- uh, shot you know, oh, here you are. That's actually something I'm, I'm really excited about. <laughs> you know, let's go underwater. Like, Casey, do you mind? How hard could it be? Casey, do you mind? Do you mind? You know, do you know how to swim? Do you mind doing an underwater shot? And this is the best thing. When it came to us, she's like, "Oh, actually, I've done some underwater modeling. Would you like me to say anything?" And I was like, "Of course." I was like, "You didn't write underwater <laughs> modeling on your skill set on the resume." So she really brought it. Not only can she swim and dive, but she's able to, like you said, like very intelligently mouth something. It was not something that I had planned for. I had planned something else that was, I think, would have worked well, but she really brought that extra, I don't know, 700% that uh, really, I mean, and that's one of the things that really stays with me. And, and yeah, she, she brought that to the table. That, that's all safety there. Oh, it's amazing! And not only that, she had, no, to, you... she had to hit her she had to hit her mark and go right at the camera too. So there was a lot of teamwork. So Fletcher and her team they had to be very careful to you know not get smashed into. <laughs> um, right. And Stacey had to hit her mark underwater and come straight at you and be right in there. You know, it, it's not the easiest thing to pull off, but she she nailed it. No, oh, it's amazing! It's amazing. And now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us, www dot J-A-M-I-E-R-O-X-X dot U-S. 
Hey rockers, this is Stacy Lane Wilson, author and editor of the Rock and Roll Nightmares book series. I have a new podcast that features interviews with musicians, artists, authors, filmmakers, and music historians. In season one, I interview Phil Susan from Ozzy Osbourne's band, Scott Crawford, the director of the Cream Magazine documentary, Lisa S. Johnson, the award-winning author and photographer of the books 108 Rockstar Guitars and Immortal Axes, just to name a few. The Rock and Roll Nightmares podcast explores the dark and mysterious and sometimes funny side of music from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and beyond. Enjoy on RSS or anywhere you like to listen to podcasts. Glittering amethyst, energizing citrine, colorful fluorite, the other side of the sun, Earth's treasures brought to light. Since 1999, we have offered a unique collection of hand-selected minerals and gems for every budget, for novices, collectors, and healers. Visit www.tosots.com to view our wide selection of offerings and use coupon code ROCKS, that's R-O-X-X, for 10% off your first order. Remember, T-O-S-O-T-S dot com, Earth's treasures brought to light. Hi folks, Jamie Rocks here. Hey, if you're a big fan of uh, historical, cool historical books, uh, like me, then you're going to want to check out our newest uh, show sponsor, Michelle Albion. Uh, fantastic author. She's got some really interesting, cool books out uh, that you're going to want to check out. I'm a big fan of all of these. Uh, the Florida Life of Thomas Edison, The Quotable Edison, Quotable Henry Ford, uh, Quotable Eleanor Roosevelt, and of course, The Quotable Amelia Earhart. Uh, Michelle's just very keen and, and very, very cool. Um, and these are just very cool books. So check out her website. Uh, there's links to uh, where you can pick these up on Amazon and Barnes and Noble all over the place. Uh, MichelleAlbion.com, M-I-C-H-E-L-E-A-L-B-I-O-N.com, MichelleAlbion.com. Very, very cool stuff. Check it out, folks. Now you have been in the bill in in the biz in the building in the business. For a minute, you know this is this is what you do. You you um, uh, Emmy-winning uh, sound editing and, and recording and whatnot. Um, so you you know this. Let me ask you. You know when you were a kid, were you like like you know like Quentin Tarantino working at the video store, or did you know that you know showbiz was what you were going to be doing? Um, how did this all come about? Well, I always know. I always knew that actually. I thought I wanted to be a musician. Um, uh, I always loved telling. Guy. I always loved telling. St- yeah, I always loved telling stories. I thought I wanted to be a musician. In, all throughout high school, I played music, and actually with one of the composers of this film. So her nice. voice, her name is Charlotte Littlehales, um, is one of the things that to me is one of the. She just has one of the most beautiful voices in the world, and I knew very early on that when uh, when uh, you needed to bring something to really represent just love and heartbreak and nostalgia and joy and sorrow, 
that those real, like, just like heartstring emotions, I knew that the thing that I wanted to, to translate that was Charlotte's voice. And I, mm. and it's funny, uh, we, uh, through high school, she and I and a few other friends, we would busk on the docks of Old Town Alexandria, where originally from, I'm originally from oh, the yeah. area. Uh, Silver Spring, Maryland. Nice. We'd, we'd go out to Old Town, Alexandria, Virginia, and bust on the dock. So, yeah, I always thought I was going to be a musician. Then, you know, when college rolled around, it was very clear that she was going to be a musician. But um turns out, uh, you know, I, <laughs> I was not going to be a musician uh, professionally, <laughs> for sure. Um, so I found, I found my way into filmmaking through my love of animation. And... Um, I ended up going to NYU as a oh, nice. uh, a film as a film student with an animation uh, kind of forte, and again, I, I think I'm actually pretty good as an animator, but I'm absolutely not very good as a drawer. <laughs> and so all oh, okay. I, I can draw I, I can draw things and they'll always look like a very like a, maybe a very precocious eight year old has drawn them and, and so I, I, I found myself people pay um, money for that my animations were very fun but I one really big part of animation is sound and and what I found right. is in, in, in NYU in particular, because of my music background, um, technologically, I happen to be there right on the divide between digital and analog. But not only that, mm. the, music in, the music industry was just pretty far ahead of the film industry in terms of what technology was accessible on a, on a kind of a prosumer mm. level. And so I was recording sound to computer, straight to computer, through a, an interface on a laptop nice. while everybody else is running around with their clunky DAT machines with only two right. tracks. And I was able to record up to eight tracks. And um, exactly. it kind of, I kind of found, so I was kind of that like weird guy you'd call up to get more tracks and, and you know, for, with the film students in my class. And so I found, I found myself moving into sound. Uh, on set, like recording it on set, and then I also had a love for it in in post. What's funny though is, so I spent many years. I, I formed a company, Silver Sound, and I spent many years helping other people realize their visions and dreams, that, like their movies. Mm. Esme, my love, is my directorial feature film, feature narrative directorial debut. So I've done short films before, short animation a short documentary. Yeah, but this is but a two-hour feature, In terms of feature man. films, in terms, in terms of feature films, Esme and My Love is my first feature film, and, and I'm, I'm really glad that uh, and proud uh, that that it, it ended up being what we all, the whole team, wanted it to be, ultimately, because um, it was it was quite a, a journey to get there. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. It kind of, and I don't want to give anything away. Like I said, it, it, there was a movie many, many years ago. I'm an old man, Corey. I'm an old man. So a lot of my sub-references and stuff are definitely going to be dated. Um, folks, uh, you know, I apologize out there. But if you've heard the show before, they're like, yes, Jamie, tell us something we don't know. Um, 
Duran <laughs> Duran is still a cool band. I'll die on that hill. Anyway, anyway. Um, no, there was a movie. There used to be these HBO movies um, that would come out, and they were they were weird, and uh, but they were great. You know, there was one called Cast a Deadly Spell, which was like a film noir, but with magic and vampires and ghosts and stuff. It was weird. But there was a film with, um, oh, I can't remember her name. Um, oh, uh, well, anyway, she was a very I, religious woman, and she, the end of the world, her she thought the end of the world was going to happen. And she went out mm-hmm. with her kid out in the sticks in the desert, somewhere in California. And then, you know, the end of the world actually happened. <laughs> like the rap, I think it's called <laughs> the rapture or something like that. And uh, mm-hmm. yeah, it was great. It was a great film. When I first started watching Esme, my love, I'm like, Oh, is this, does it have shades of that to it? You know, um, cause you're trying, it, it, cause it's, really, it's so surreal. You're, you're trying to anchor it to something that, that isn't surreal that you know, you know, you're familiar with. And, uh, and that's something that's really exciting uh, for, for me that you kind of picked up on that because you know, if you had to say when did this movie take place, we don't – I mean, we give some clues. Like, you'll know within 50 years, but you're going to know within 50 years. You're not going to know to the team when no. this movie took place, right? And I think that's one of the things that we we really uh, – you know, we talked about. We didn't want anything really existing for the characters except each other. And that was a very deliberate yeah. – very, very deliberate decision there to really just exclude the rest of the world. In the writing process, when I was trying to write, uh, find a writing partner, um, I had a lot of, you know, alternate paths uh, where this could have taken. And, and inevitably, some of the folks would always just want to turn this into something where, like, uh, you know, it's about some guy who's chasing right. or it's about a guy yeah, who's the killer of the woods. hostage. Yeah, it was always about some man, and I was like, no, I want to tell a story about a mother and a daughter, and they should be the characters. Right. And not only that, they should be the only characters. And, and, and I just had to keep on chasing these kind of like unwanted other characters out. And so when I finally met Laura Allen, who wrote the film with me, mm-hmm. um, writer. She, she, really, she really felt it, and it was it was just a great collaboration with her because she was really on the same page that there had to be, it couldn't just be something that's just scary for the sake of being scary. This movie needed to be completely and just like so full of love. There needed to be a whole lot of love in this movie for us to be able to tell the story we wanted to tell. Um, right. And I think she really helped bring that and I think every because you know if you if, there's nowhere to go right if you don't if you don't feel the love and the beauty there's nowhere to go if you just start yeah. off with with if you just you know and, and the this, this film is claustrophobic and relentless and there isn't a whole lot of humor in it there's a little bit but there isn't a whole lot of humor in it um, but there is a whole lot of love yeah and there's there's, there's you know there's tension and and this 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 vibe of dread that comes up, especially towards the end, um, and and it's like uh, it's so well done. It's almost 
Now, now, Corey, I, I get that this is your first feature and everything, and I, I don't want you to have to go out and buy new hats, but, and I also realize this isn't a word, folks, Hitchcockian, I could go there and knit it. I, maybe even Sterling, you know, um, as in Rod. Um, it's just really well done. You give a shit about these characters. And oh, I don't know if it's yeah. the music or the filming or their, or just the whole thing together, this is really well done, you know, seriously. Thank and you. There's, there's some things in, in the medium of film, um, you know, there's some things you can say and there's some things that you really need to experience. And I think one thing about this is there's a lot of nonverbal things um, that we hope affect the audience, that we hope to bring to the audience, some things that just can't be said on their own. So when you bring up the music, uh, Again, there's Charlotte, one of the composers, and Stephanie, another composer. They both have very important parts, and they were writing at each other from opposite ends of the films, and then when they collided, that's when we started collaborating over. So there's just like a whole lot of mm. things at play here. So I'm, I'm really glad that you said, and thank you for being encouraging folks to watch it. It will make a huge difference for us uh, if on opening day a lot of people watch this film. So it, it means the world to me that you're, you're talking about it. No, absolutely. Absolutely. And that's one of the cool things. I mean, I know a lot of people, um, <laughs> and, and we're, we're in a weird place right now with the writer's deal and, and everything going on. And, um, you know, but one of the things, and I'm not making light of the pandemic, uh, you know, a lot of people got sick, a lot of people died, you know, I'm, I'm not making light of that. But it really, everybody knows how to stream now. You know, it, it really, everybody knows how to work the Roku and, um, you know, it, it, I think that there's all these, and there, it is a pain. I, I think that so many, there, there's so many streaming. I got rid of cable because I was sick of paying for stuff I never watched. And now I'm paying the same amount for streaming services because of like each one has one show that I, I'm hooked on. This is going to show up on, this is going to show up on two plat- or m- multiple platforms, but one of them is going to be Tubi. And that's actually yeah. really important for me and one of the reasons why I wanted to go with Terror Films because they said, look, we want people to see your film. So we're going to mm-hmm. take this to AVOD as well as On Demand. And that meant a lot to me. I think that, that model is, is really great so that people who want to have the, you know, have it, you know, free but, you know, advertise, uh, advertising yeah. phase have that option. Um, obviously, it's a little hard for me because it is a slow burn, you know, uh, magical realism thriller. (laughs) So so I don't want like toothpaste commercials hitting up in the middle, but you know, at the same time, I do want it to be accessible to everybody. So I'm very excited that this will be released uh, as well on Tubi. Yeah, I think I love Tubi. I I think you're right. Sometimes it does. It is a little jarring with the ads, but I got to tell you folks, I'm used to that because that's how it was when I grew up. You were watching something on a, on a channel Every 15 minutes you were watching a commercial. That's just, that's when you went to the washroom. That's when you made a sandwich or grabbed a bag of Doritos or something. You know, I mean, that's just how that works. Um, I don't know. You know, I think it's, uh, I think Amazon's even going to launch a thing doing that. I was reading some crazy thing um, uh, mm-hmm. where they're going to launch well. a, uh, 
that they, yeah. that everybody saw how well 2D was was doing. So that, and and other ones like that, Roku, 2D, and so they they Voodoo, they they said, okay, well let's all let's all take a swing at this. So. Um, no, absolutely. No, I, I, well, Tubi had that. I'm excited. I was impressed mm-hmm. when they ran that Super Bowl ad. I thought my TV was screwed up. Um, <laughs> I mean, they got me on nope, that. No, they're serious. I'm like, oh, I was telling my wife. They're said, Somebody has three mortgages on their house now. Um, Right, but I was so no. excited. It's like, well, you know what? We take the right horse. The, the, the one that, that, that uh, Terror Films is going to be putting out on is the one that bothered oh, to yeah. take out the Super Bowl ad. So, you know, it's, it's good. Yeah. Well, you know, and here's the thing, too. I'm, I'm sure there's other people like me. I like to watch stuff when I take my lunch. Um, I, yeah, I'll watch stuff in here, too, uh, when I'm working. But primarily, I like to sit down and watch when I'm pay, and pay attention to just what I'm watching, is um, I have an hour a day that I take for lunch, and I go through and, and I scroll through whatever streaming site it is, and uh, start a lot of stuff. Say, yeah, I don't know if I'm in, into this, you know. But I see terror films a lot. It comes up. And every time I see terror films, I don't flip away. Because they, they usually call a pretty good horse there. And um, so they're, they're definitely good to work with. <laughs> I'm, I'm impressed, Corey. You know, they know what they're doing. And uh, this is very, very cool. Now, with this, um, I had heard, now, you had a uh, you, you had a micro budget of six million dollars when you made this. It, um, <laughs> it uh, <laughs> I wish we had six million dollars. Um, I am actually very proud though. This was a this was a micro budget film. Um, but it doesn't look our, micro our team, budget. It does not look micro budget because we have no. an absolutely fam- fantastic film. But we we all said and done all said and from filming through post production. The cost was one hundred thirty-five thousand dollars. We shot the film oh. for ninety thousand dollars. Oh, you can't I, mention I that. that. Future producers will I, say, "Oh well, look what he did with that." No um, one. But I'm, imagine I'm very, producers. Very proud of that. What he could uh, do with I'm very, days. very proud of that. Well, well, I think that if somebody else, if I hadn't called in all of my favors that I've been gathering over the many years, mm. and I hadn't planned for so long, uh, this could easily have been a two million dollar film, easily. Um, so uh, I think it's a testament to all of my collaborators who gave so much to the film and also to the, uh, the just the very generous people who donated so many things in kind to the film. Um, we, 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 were, we were very, very lucky, but we were also very, very, we planned for a very long time. Um, and, uh, yeah, no, I, I mean, uh, I am very proud of that fact. I'm extremely proud of that, well, that we made this film. Uh, and now, folks, a couple quick messages from some of our show sponsors. Stay tuned. We'll be back with the rest of the interview after these quick messages. Listen to this cool episode ad-free. If you're a VIP member, you can become one on my website, www.jamierocks.us www.jamierox.us Metal Babe Mayhem is 
it's more than just an online store, it's a destination. MiddlebayMayhem.com carries over 150 rock and roll products, including clothing, jewelry, and accessories. Metal Bay Mayhem also offers shrine clothing and alchemy gothic jewelry. In addition, Metal Babe Mayhem founder Allison Metal Babe Cohen is a rock and roll journalist who supports local and national artists with rock and reviews, interviews, playlists, networking, and more. Metal Babe Mayhem is taking over the world one shirt at a time. My Love Shack Apothecary online shop has everything you need to build a special gift for yourself or someone who needs a little pampering. I hand make all of the products in small batches using only plant-based ingredients and therapeutic grade essential oils. Whether you choose one of my curated sets or want to build a custom gift set, My Love Shack Apothecary has everything you need to send a little sunshine to someone today. Please visit us online at www.loveshackapothecary.com. That's www.loveshackapothecary.com. As well as online on Instagram and Facebook. Links are in our website. Support for this podcast comes from the University of Texas MD Anderson Cancer Center, ranked one of the top cancer centers in the nation for the last 27 years. The doctors at MD Anderson treat more rare cancers in a single day than many physicians see in a lifetime, and treatment plans are tailored to an individual patient's needs, allowing more comprehensive and thorough care. To become a patient, please visit makingcancerhistory.com. Aloha. If you have stress in your life or even anxiety and panic, I want to invite you to the Anxiety Coaches Podcast for a way out. The Anxiety Coaches Podcast is a relaxing and inspiring show, bringing you lifestyle changes to calm your nervous system and help you heal. Heal anxiety, panic, and PTSD for life. We bring you two episodes every week. There's no need to walk this path alone. Join us for a relaxing, informative, and inspiring time and start your journey out of anxiety panic. That's anxietycoachespodcast.com. Aloha. Rocks Gear, the online webshop of high-end luxury merchandise and products. All featuring original pop art paintings, from La Holla to Miami to London, www.merch.jamierocks.us. Corey, you are the same type of artist that I am. And I tell, I do a little, uh, you know, on my Patreon, people paid on certain tiers to get mentored on the art business. That's my day job. And, uh, well, not mentoring people, but painting. And that's, Mentoring things just extra a little bit. But, um, you know, I tell people, I say, for me, what works for me, and that doesn't mean it works for everybody, but what works for me is I paint a painting six or seven times before the brush hits the canvas. 
I have things planned out. I'm not one of these people that's like, ah, eh, we just let it go where it goes and blah, 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 and all this. And no, I got, I got bills to pay, man. I, I got a wife that likes shoes, you know. I mean, got an expensive dog. <laughs> but, um, yeah. you know, there's a whole house of cards that's got to stay up. Anyhow, um, so I, I like things organized and planned and 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 everything is in its place to the best that it can be. Nothing's going to stay that way, I get. But I, I, I want to minimize the amount of surprises on a project. And it seems you come off to me the same type of way, that you got to have a plan before you go into battle, you know, if you want to win. Um, we, we had a very, very intense and taut and tight plan, and I thought it was amazing. And then I just got my ass handed to me when I actually got on the set and so many things happened. Um, but without right. that planning, we would never have made it through to the other side without that thing. But, but gosh, I, I came in so confident, just so confident. And then things just the pandemic. happened. Things yeah. just happened. Oh, we, we actually filmed before the pandemic. Um, right. So we, we filmed in 2018. But you would not believe some of the things, and I can't talk about them here. I don't think in this forum, but oh, yeah, we yeah. should talk about it over over a over a you know a whiskey sometime. Um, uh, or, <laughs> uh, but there there are definitely some things that just you know you come into and you're like I'm ready for anything. I'll I'll give you one example of something I can talk about. So the um the the car the car that we use the picture car. Um, uh-huh. The very one of the very opening shot of the movie, the engine just dies. It's completely oh, dead, and we have to get the we have to get the shot. So and it I'm out of time. So it's the end of the day. It's it's towards the end of the the, the towards the end of the shoot. It's not quite the last shooting day, but it's, you know towards the end of of the shoot. And we're out of time, so the crew. I gotta wrap the crew because I can't. I didn't have the budget to put them into overtime that day, so I wrap the crew. And I and it's just me and my director of photography in this dead car. And I get behind the wheel, and we push it down a hill. We we push it down a hill, and the the power steering is out. And I roll past the camera, and that's the opening shot of the like one of the opening what? shots of the film. <laughs> And it's just me and my DP being like, what the hell are we going to do with this car at the bottom of this hill after we push it down there? And we're like, yeah, we'll figure it out later. And me trying to glide the car into, into some grass at the end just so that, you know, it's not just sitting there on the road. Um, but, you know, we made it happen. Um, and and, and then – so, yeah, got the shot, and the car was, and then the car was done. It was beyond repair. There was a there was a mechanical genius uh, on that, and he just looked at things like, short of getting a new engine, this car is done. Mm. And right. I'm like, well, what about these other shots we need to get? And he was like, well, you're gonna have to figure that out. <laughs> and so we did. Um, but it was not the easiest. I'll tell you that uh, finding. Um, the exact Basically, thing. what we had to do for for our for our reshoots, we had to find the exact model of the car with the same interior, oh, man. and oh, man. and we actually filmed we filmed a good amount of the interior car shots in a different with a different car that we were very very lucky to find. And it's crazy because as the audience, 
we don't notice any of that. Nothing changed that I that stood out to me, you know. And no, uh, big, sure big, big kudos to our arts department. Big, big, big kudos to our arts department, and especially our production uh, designer, Kyra Bastelli. She, uh, I did not give her that many resources to work with, but she and her um, set deck, Jackie Wallop, they were incredible. It was an art team of two. Just two people did wow. all of the art for the film, and they really, I mean, you see what she's gone on to do, and you'll, you'll see she's, you know, uh, what was she doing on my movie? I, I feel that way actually about a lot of the people on my film. I was very, very lucky to, to get some of the folks. I mean, you look at Audrey and see what she's done after my movie, you know. Um, no, yeah. She was nine years old on my film. But then, you know, she goes straight from my movie to working on Jessica Jones and The Flight Attendant and starring in her own Paramount Plus show. So, you know, she, it's funny. I thought, oh, I'm, I'm going to do this, this wonderful film and it's going to really just make, yeah, gonna really get, make Audrey's career. She's, you know, by the time she came back and finished the last ADR for the film, she's like, my voice has changed. Are you ever going to finish this thing? She doesn't need me. She, she, she's amazing. But she was – she's still – I could not believe – I cannot say it enough. At nine years old, she was a pro. Wow. She's, only, she's only gotten better. Um, she is really just a one-of-a-kind talent uh, to watch out for. And, and – and 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 just the, the the chemistry she had with Stacy, they really they really just brought it. Um, well, they look alike too. You know, it's uh, it's it's crazy. It's you know, it's it's weird working with kids too because they uh, is anybody with little kids no, or even young kids I should say, um, or young teens. Uh, you know, they're constantly sick. They're like walking petri dishes and stuff. You know, so yeah, you have thirteen <laughs> days to film. But if, if somebody gets mono halfway through or something, you know what I mean, or, or whatever, um, yeah, it can be a problem. Oh, you know. Oh, believe believe me, uh, we were very there. There was another incident with you know, people. Some Audrey's allergic to bees, and one of our mm. tests was just infest, infested with bees, and we we thought we cleared them out, and um, it was actually something she was not allergic to. Thank God. Um, but we thought we cleared them out, and then day of shooting, it's like, oh, there's this bee here. What's it doing here? And gosh, you know, just all sorts of things you would not expect. Right. right. But she was such a pro. Her her mother Heidi is such a pro, um, who was on set, and and um, it was just it was we, we just really lucked out to be able to work with them. Well, and it's it, you know, and it's it's crazy too. I would imagine. Um, you know, your your kid gets offered a part in, in a movie, in a, and then you hear, you're not really a horror movie, you're more of a psychological thriller, but still, you're like, yeah, do I want my kid working with Hannibal Lecter on Silence of the Lamb? Probably not. You know, I, I don't want to pay $20,000 in therapy. Um, you know. <laughs> she, 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 vetted yeah. the script. she vetted the script. Um, she's worked on other uh, horror films, actually, Heidi has worked. Uh, sorry, Audrey's worked on other horror films. Her mother... Then the script, Audrey, very precocious child, knew the script. Um, and, and that was very important for me as a filmmaker. I, I you know, ultimately oh, yeah. we're telling a story. Ultimately we're telling a story. And people are more important than any story. So, you know, people's oh, safety absolutely. comes absolutely first. People's safety comes absolutely first. It's, it's, it's safety first. And 
you know, making sure that they're able to help tell the story, but do it in a safe and also just way that they're comfortable with um, in every way. And, and uh, we, we, we made big efforts to make sure uh, that all of those things were, were true. And big props to um, Crystal Arnett, who was our unit production manager, but also fight choreographer and also, mm. you know, someone who really helps look out for safety on the set. That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, well, Corey, I know, you know, man, I, it's so funny because when we started the show, I'm like, yeah, you get for 20 minutes or so. Here we are. We're, we're going on 40 now. Um, but you're fascinating. Well, I won't shut up, so yeah. sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. It's great. It's great. Um, are you kidding me? I, I'm having a ball. Uh, but, I, but I wanted to say, I know we're, we're promoing SMA My Love. And, folks, it does drop on the 2nd of June. Don't freak out. Don't freak out. Anybody who uh, is on any of my social media know I do my morning blog and all that. I will be reminding everybody uh, when this drops because I want everybody to see it. This is definitely um, – and I know I get we're only five months into the year. It's one of my favorite films of the year so far, and um, it's just so well done. It's so well done, and it just got my mind going, man. Um, now, Corey, that being said, I was looking at your IMDb because, you know, that's mm-hmm. what all of us civilians do when we talk to you, uh, you cool, famous film folks. Um, and I see a project. I don't know if it's released, but I got to ask about it because I don't know if you knew this or not. I grew up in Metro Detroit and I am of a certain age and I oh, absolutely have. Ridden on the Pablo boats and been to Pablo Island. So the the, the Bob, Bob Pablo boats, Pablo Island is a movie near and dear to my heart. Aaron Schillinger, my first AD, is the director of that film. I was a re-recording mixer on that film, and it is absolutely phenomenal. It has just been uh, he just uh, sold it to PBS. Uh, you can order nice. the film direct on on DVD from him on BobloBoatsFilm.com. Nice. And I cannot say I cannot say more good things about this film. Um, it's a fantastic film. Pablo Island is incredible. I, I went down the rabbit hole uh, with, with Aaron, but Aaron also, yeah. as my first AD, saved my life multiple times on my film. Um, he's, he's, a, he's an incredibly empathetic, generous, giving person. And, you know, I was going through the list of people and I was like, I don't have an assistant director and I need an assistant director. And I called Aaron up and I was like, Hey man, um, this is something you would consider. And he threw himself into my film. uh, With such generosity and really just, you know, he had net, this is the first feature film he's assistant directed. And wow. It, it, uh, that's a big risk when you're, when you're doing that. But he, brought so much to the table. This film would never have been made out without him. And so being able to collaborate with him on his film uh, afterwards was one, uh, it was just such a great privilege and honor. And so you can order his film on DVD. Um, you can nice. also see it. There's, it's currently in theaters in the Detroit area. And then my film, um, you will be able to go to EsmeMyLove.com and you'll be right. able to find all the different places that it's streaming. And if you should want to order a DVD or a Blu-ray, um, we will actually print them out custom one by one for you. And you can only order nice. it from EsmeMyLove.com. 
Well, that's cool. That's smart. That's a smart way to do it, print on demand. And, folks, we have the link up there to EsmeraMyLove.com. We also have the Facebook page, the Instagram page, the IMDb, all of that. And I just want to let people know, when we convert this to a podcast, those links follow. And what that means is if you're listening to this on Spotify or something in the future, hello from the past, click on those links and you get right there and you can order order the film. I, um, I This is a great film. You need this in your collection. I'm going to be buying that Boblo uh, film because um, and any of my little local gang that hangs out at our house here, uh, everybody, I always put these, I'm like, hey, here's where I grew up and I'll put these horrific YouTube videos on of um, abandoned <laughs> factories and neighborhoods <laughs> and they're just like, Jamie, turn it off. We've seen it. Oh, my God. And this will be a nice change. No, no Boblo was, was magic. Boblo was, oh, yeah. was magic. It's, it's absolute magic. And there were just thousands of people for whom this was this was the thing. I'm so, I'm so excited that this is you. And there's been a whole community that has really come up of, of, around the boats, um, the, the film. Um, it, it, yeah, I'm really glad you're going to get it. Um, and I think Aaron will be thrilled to you that he's getting uh, some, some of the well-deserved uh, uh, shout-outs. Uh, I'm so glad that yeah, you, you picked that out. Definitely. Uh, what a, what a definitely. wonderful What a wonderful film. Yeah, I saw that on your – and I, it just caught my eye because you don't, you don't hear it a lot. And Bob Lowe, for those who don't know, for those of us, uh, like I said, of a certain age, that was uh, – you know, you couldn't always afford to go to Cedar. You know, that was a long drive all the way down around the Lake Erie and all that. Bob Lowe was a – you could do that. That was easy. You just go downtown, jump on yeah, the boat. Yeah, you hop on the boat, get on, Bob, get on Bob Lowe Island, take the ferry, right? Absolutely. I remember my father bought a, uh, a cabin cruiser, and before we made the, the big trip to Cedar Point on it, uh, we made one to Bob Lowe. And the cool thing about that is when you go on your own boat to Bob Lowe, not on the, their boat, the big paddle boat, um, you, get, you had access to the park with like 20 other people. For the first two hours, it was it was great. It was like yes. it felt like a VIP, you know. It was no yes. line or any of that. Um, yeah. No. yeah, that's oh, amazing. Man. Now I live well, in Florida. Thank you so much for. <laughs> oh, we Aww. we go to Disney and wait in line for hours, hours. I'm just like, why are we? Why are we doing this? But uh, my my wife from Florida, man. so you know she. Yeah, we spoiled with Pablo. She, um, she worships thank her thank you so much there. for having me on the on the show, man. I, I really, really appreciate yeah. it. I really, really appreciate Corey, it. Corey, you were cool, um, turned up the pit. I would love to have you back anytime, man, just to talk about film. Um, you know. Well, I, I see that you're going to be talking. I, I, I assume you're going to be talking to, down the road. Are you talking to both Stacy and, and, and Fletcher uh, about the film in, in, in subsequent shows? I, I you know, I, I will reach out. I don't know. I'll have to ask Rachel, but um, I would love it. I, I would love it. I think you're. Um, I think you're. I think you're going to be talking to my cinematographer Fletcher Wolf, and I think nice. you're going to be able to talk to to Hannah, um, my my one of my lead actresses coming up, and they're both fascinating and really threw themselves into this project. Um, so I'm I'm excited for you to be able to go a little bit more in depth into this film with your audience. Yeah. It means a lot to us. I can't, I can't wait to speak to both of them, and especially Fletcher, because I don't know how she made this film look this great with uh, the budget, you know? Um, 
amazing. Um, I heard she's absolutely she's she's one of a she's one of a kind. She's one of the best, and I will say this: she's one of the best. Uh, I would say living cinematog- cinematographers, and I, I say that without reserve. That's amazing. Well, you know, it reminds me of I, I read this book. I don't know a few months ago. It was a a collection of all the interviews that David Bowie had given, and uh, somebody had asked him some crazy question. They, they asked him, you know, every song you do is amazing, you know, uh, and he, and his response I thought was very humble. It, it was very Bowie-esque. And he said, I work, I hire the best. And when you work with the best, that's the result you get, you know, it's not a big secret. Exactly. And exactly. There was no, there was nobody else who could have shot this film. Oh, it's amazing. It's amazing. And I got to tell you, I just a last note, you know, as a writer or whatnot, um, I'm so impressed with you and Lauren because you captured, and especially with you, Lauren, or uh, uh, Corey, I mean, um, if, if you've ever, ladies and gentlemen, if you've ever known a woman, <laughs> you know, have women in your life, the relationship between a mother and daughter is one of the most strange and bizarre things you'll ever observe. Um, from the outside looking in, as as a non-woman, as as a man, um, it, it, it there's always love. There's always an undercurrent of love, but man, there can be some <laughs> some challenging times too. Um, but you captured this, you know, you captured that, and it, it it's a movie, and these are actors, and it's a story, but it, it seemed real true to me. You know what I mean? If that makes any sense, I don't know. I no, that that means a lot. There, there, we try to bring a lot of truth to the film, um, and like I said, it's based on a lot of true events and and also kernels of different stories and different people from you know various lives. So there is a lot of truth in that film. Um, so um, yeah, uh, I've actually got to jump to my eight o'clock now, but I yeah really, yeah yeah really, go, really go 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 I appreciate kept it way too long. Corey, thank you so much for um, being on. You rock. Talk to you soon. Thank thank you for have have a good one. Cheers. Absolutely. Well, there you go, folks. That was uh, filmmaker Coy Ch- Corey Choi. I um, I don't know why. Maybe it's the two C's. I don't know. It, it seems hard. Corey Choi. I will never forget that now. And, and there, there we go. Um, I can get around it. I can get around it. Um, I should be able to because, you know, uh, not only was this a great film, I can only imagine what his next one's going to be. I didn't have a chance to. We were so busy BSing about Boblo, I didn't get a chance to ask uh, where the gear is turning for the next project. I'm sure, folks, if you've ever known a filmmaker, yeah, not only are the gears turning probably for the next one, probably for the next six, you know, that's just how their mind works. It's, it's fascinating to me. Anyway, again, Esme, my love. This is a fantastic film. The website, EsmeMyLove.com. It's also uh, over Esme, my love on Instagram and Facebook. And, um, you know, like these, like and share these, uh, help get the word out and whatnot. And uh, it's just phenomenal, just phenomenal. I will be reminding everybody when this drops uh, through Terror Films on June the 2nd. And I didn't even know it was going to be on Tubi either. I'll be putting that direct link up as well uh, as soon as I have it. Um, But, yeah, if you can, I'm telling you, this is one of those, definitely get the Blu-ray of this, man, because this is one of those films – you know, when you have people over at your house, and, and it's interesting because people I have found people look at my bookshelf and my film collection kind of the same way, kind of the same way. And and there's, there's certain films that I have up there because, you know, 
I'm cool too. He rocks. Of course I have that film, you know, <laughs> got to have a copy of blue velvet on the shelf there. Um, but I definitely want a copy of as and my luck. And, uh, and I've got it on digital. I, but I want, you know, I want it on the shelf. That's all I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Um, you know, anyhow, man, what a fun episode tonight. I, I was supposed to keep Corey for 20 minutes and we did an hour. I, I feel terrible. Um, but he's, I couldn't tear myself away. He's, he's fantastic to talk to and, uh, and just so inspiring, really inspiring uh, to me as, as an artist, as a painter. Um, man, he's just, this is how you do it, man. If you're in the film, if you're a filmmaker or you want to get into filmmaking, find him on Facebook and every, wherever he's at like and share and follow and take notes, you know, um, have a pad of paper and a pencil there because this is how you get stuff done. Anywho, anywho, that's going to wrap it up for us, folks. Uh, we will be back. Oh, we've got, uh, yeah, what do we got coming on? On um, We've got Deborah Twist coming up on Thursday with her new film, Saposexual. And for those who don't know, that means, uh, you know, that's a, a saposexual person, somebody who gets turned on by intelligence. And, uh, you know, man, that, that's, that's all the people I got to beat off uh, with a stick, you know? Uh, no, I'm, I'm kidding. I, I would be the anti-saposexual probably, um, or at least the people interested in me would be. Anyhow, anyhow, Deborah Twist, this is a very cool um, film. It, it's, uh, we're going to be talking to her on Thursday. So stay tuned for that. Tune in for that. Um, it's a fantastic film. I just watched this last night, actually. Uh, me and my wife and uh, some friends of our, a couple friends of ours were over, and uh, everybody loved it. Psychological thriller. You know me. I love the psychological thrillers. So, uh, yeah, tune in for that on Thursday, and we will see you then. We will see you then. We're gonna, I'm going to convert this now, and we're going to get it out on all the uh, uh, social media platforms and on all the podcasting platforms. We're on over 700 of them amazing anywho i want a fun thing this is a fun thing that happened real quick before uh i go um i just confirmed (laughs) i I have a returning guest a returning guest she was guest i think my oh gosh i don't know number 30 or something like that again folks we're on episode 1300 and something uh 1350 or something i don't know 1300 and something but she was like number 30 man and uh she was at the time she was making a documentary and uh she was uh you know looking for investors on kickstarter and whatnot she's running a kickstarter campaign and um just so cool her name's jen senko and the documentary did get made it did get made and (laughs) her career has catapulted to the stars since then um, but I talked to her and, and yeah, she's coming back on, you know, um, 1300 episodes later, this was back in 2013, right when we started doing the podcast and, uh, yeah, the documentary is called the brainwashing of my dad. And yeah, gotta say she called it, she called it all this crazy stuff we've seen politically for the last six or seven years. She was right. You know, so all I'm saying is, if you happen to go to the horse track with Jen Senko, and she says, hey, "I think that horse is going to win," bet on that horse because she knew, <laughs> she knew it's going to be fun talking to her. That's going to be coming up. I'll be uh, 
Um, I don't have everything built yet for that, but it's coming. It will be posted here in a day or so on um, our website, poprocksradio.com. So look for that. Man, this is a fun time tonight. I am inspired. Uh, I'm thinking I might watch this again tonight. Um, SMA, my love. This is a fantastic film. Okay, folks, that's going to wrap it up for us. Have a good night, everybody, and we will see you next time. Bye. This has been pop art painter Jamie Rocks' Pop Rocks Radio Talk Show. It has been executive produced by Jamie Rocks, recorded at his studio in Deerfield Beach in South Florida. All rights reserved by Pop Rocks Limited for broadcast on Blog Talk Radio. Tana Oli Pop Rocks Radio. Estás escuchando Jamie Rocks de Pop Rocks Radio. Manténganse al tanto. Hey, det här är Hicks från Sverige och ni lyssnar till Pop Rocks Radio med Jamie Rocks. Blog Talk Radio. Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry, we were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. ChumbaCasino.com has over 100 casino style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchases, full work limited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.